0: Hello and welcome to the Talking Michigan Transportation Podcast, I'm Jeff Cranson. Today I'm going to be talking with Brad Weaverick, who is the Director of the Bureau of Development at MDOT, and he's going to sort of set the record straight and give us the facts on what's going on with inflation in the construction industry. Um, Shouldn't surprise anybody, given what inflation is doing to costs of goods and services everywhere, uh, that it's also affecting the the road construction industry and what they're doing. Um, He's described what's going on as kind of a perfect storm between uh, the pandemic and lots of other factors. So, Brad, thanks for taking time to do this and uh, give me your, you know, what we always say, the Aunt Shirley uh, explanation for what's going
1: on. Absolutely, and thanks for having me back, Jeff. Um, you know, this this issue uh, that we're dealing with right now is not unique to Michigan. Uh, there's a national uh, construction inflation issue that the industry is dealing with. Um, we were uh, made aware of some information that was put out by the American Road and Transportation Builders Association, ARPA, where they have a, a bit of a dashboard that just kind of shows nationally where things are. And, and quite honestly, the numbers that they're seeing nationally are even higher than what we were seeing in our bids. Uh, we've had similar discussions with our peer states in the Midwest. So yeah, this is a national issue and, and, and something that you know we're kind of all in this together and, and we are talking to our peer states and we're all uh, trying to deal with the same issues. So yeah, we're we're all dealing with the same issues, but why don't you start, um,
0: break it down from a process standpoint. Michigan is a low bid state. Um, not every state does things that way. Um, some have kind of a mix of, you know, quality and cost and other factors, but uh, we're legislatively required to do strictly low bid on these construction contracts. So how does it work? Um, you've worked at, at many levels. Uh, in the, mm-hmm. in the business, including in private industry. So when you start to conceive, you know, scope a project and decide to put it out for bids, how do you determine, you know, what those engineers estimates are?
1: Yeah, sure. Um, something I've done quite a bit through my career. So MDOT, I hope most people know that we develop a five-year program. So every year we're, we're kind of adding that, that fifth year out Um, We use an asset management strategy primarily to to direct how we can most efficiently uh, utilize our funds to maximize the condition of our system. Now, when we do that, we base our estimates largely on our average historical prices. So when we put out a contract, there's line items um, that the contractor bids on and eventually gets paid for. Let's say a ton of asphalt, a square yard of concrete, a cubic yard of um, you know earthwork and And we keep track of that. We have you know huge databases, uh, and we're able to, through some algorithms, come up with pretty good estimates uh, based on the type of work, the quantity of work, the location of the work that really get us in the ballpark uh, we We use that sort of estimating for projects, even four or five years out, but we also apply um, an inflationary index. And historically, we've used right around 4% per year. That's actually served us quite well. And it was interesting, uh, a couple of years ago, we did a research project with Western Michigan University, where they did a a more scientific dive into this and and found that the the value was about 4% per year. So it really validated what we were doing. But when you look at nationally what's going on and where the, you know, the consumer price index is going, we're up 7-8% right now, uh, like you said earlier, it really shouldn't be a surprise that, um, that we're seeing differences. So, whereas we've laid out our program, um, we, we've done what has worked very well for us historically, we are going to, year by year, have to make adjustments based on what's. In the market, and and I also think you mentioned the perfect storm of things that we're dealing with right now. Uh, the COVID pandemic created a lot of logistical issues that are lasting, material procurement issues, labor shortages, um, all kinds of materials. You know, now and now we have a, um, a war in in Ukraine that's uh, had an effect on our fuel prices. So there's there's all kinds of things going on. Um, you know, go down to Home Depot and and try to buy some lumber or a sheet of OSB right now. And I I think you'll see that, again, this isn't something that's just unique to Michigan. So as we go through uh, our our projects, you know, we we finalize our engineers estimates about the time that we advertise the project for bids. We take in our bids and we have a bid review process where we kind of scrub through um, anything that's coming in over the bids, um, we're going to review the estimate. We're going to look at the individual bid pay items, look for anomalies. Um, and then at the end of the day, when we've uh, justified and accepted the bids, we'll continue to monitor the entire dollar amount as a whole, um, just just to understand what the impacts are going to be going forward. Um, we We aren't Looking to change anything uh, this year as far as the projects that are going out. Talk about Obviously, that a little bit because I think uh, I think there was
0: some confusion in some of the reporting that's out there. Some of the the media outlets that suggested that uh, this is like such a dire thing that it means that some projects are going to get cut. Um, and and like you said, that's that's just not the case in 2022.
1: No, no, it's not. No, it's not. And and I think, you know, as anyone would expect, we have a budget, we we have our estimates, and we're going to monitor that. And we're going to look for ways that we can uh, adjust so that we can get the entire program out. Um, that's kind of the beauty of a, of a five-year program. Um, it allows us to kind of smooth out uh, some of the, the changes that we see. So obviously, when we're planning on 4% per year, and we hit a year like this where there's 7%, 8%. Um, we don't know if that's a blip. We don't know if this is going to be really long-term. Um, but by having a five-year program, we're, we're able to kind of absorb and balance that. So we really shouldn't see much of an impact this year. I, I also know, um, you know, I've heard folks talk about the Rebuilding Michigan program. The the bond program that we're putting out and and it's uh, increased our program considerably and you know uh, the questions are hey has that had much of an effect and quite honestly we don't have any evidence that that's been an issue uh, again going back to my perfect storm term because there's so many things going on uh, in the market right now it's it's impossible to say that um, there was any one thing that caused it. But again, we really don't have any evidence that rebuilding Michigan has been a, a big driver in any of this. Well,
0: yeah, and I think the, the best answer to that is that it's going on uh, across the country. And like you said, just what you're hearing in, in your neighboring states, you mentioned fuel prices. I think you know, some of us have a vague sense that fuel is a factor in, in HMA or asphalt pavement, but the, the, the rising cost of fuel has a much bigger impact on you know these project costs it's not just about whether it's asphalt or not can you talk about how fuel affects things
1: absolutely look at all the equipment that's out on a project site and think of all the trucking that goes into bringing materials in bringing materials out you know the the rollers the cranes the you know it's heavily dependent on fuel uh, in order to have the the vehicles and the the equipment that's needed to build the projects, so that's kind of something right now that the you know the contractors when they're bidding they're going to have to take that risk into account. So again, I don't think that should be a surprise to anyone who fills up their their car. I have a a pickup truck with a 36 gallon tank, so believe me, I know. You know how much it costs every time you fill it for sure.
0: Unfortunately, I do. Stay with us. We'll have more on the other side of this important message.
1: Oh, look at those beautiful wildflowers along the road. Aren't they pretty? Check out that
0: classic car. You don't see many of those anymore.
1: Wow, look at that cable median barrier.
0: (laughs) What? You mean that wire guardrail in the middle of the road?
1: Exactly. Aren't they gorgeous?
0: Um, not exactly.
1: They were put there to prevent crossover head-on crashes which are some of the most deadly type of freeway crashes. And they're really effective, reducing those types of incidents by 90%. That's a lot of lives that have been saved. Huh,
0: I guess I never really looked at them like that. I prefer the wildflowers, but I'm seeing those median cable barriers in a whole new light. One of the questions I've been asking, and the reason I think this is really difficult is everybody wants a crystal ball and people have been asking, you know, so what do you think is going to happen? And, you know, if it was seven to 10% since last July, you know, what's it going to be going forward? Well, obviously we just don't know, but you have historical patterns, right? Where you saw Mm -hmm. costs go up and you had to adjust the five-year program accordingly. So talk about how that works.
1: Yeah, like I said before, that's the beauty of having a five-year program um, that's balanced out that way is that we can kind of uh, plug and play over five years to 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 lessen immediate impacts. You know, we said this year. And I, I again, I don't plan to see much of an impact on our program and what we're going to deliver this year, but we we'll, we will have to look out, especially if this continues. Um, I don't have a crystal ball. Like you said, nobody does right now. But in any given year, regardless of what we're going through this or not, we're doing the same types of things. We're looking at our bids, we're looking at our estimates, we're looking at what's been programmed and and making those adjustments. So this is, I shouldn't say it's the same as every year because obviously the impacts are bigger than they had been in the past. But our process, our thought process that we use to adjust and, and move forward will be the same.
0: So these rising costs, you know,
1: in, in inflation,
0: it really, it, it affects us in, in short and long-term ways. And it, it causes us to, to pay twice. It's like the difference between renting and buying. Um, these roads, the programs that we really need to, to rebuild, we need to go down to the base and, you know, rebuild them completely. And we can't. So we'll have to do a little more, you know, surface work and maintenance just to maintain it longer. So, you know, it feels like you're throwing good money after bad when you do that, right?
1: Yeah, and and unfortunately with the lack of, uh, of available funding, those are the decisions that we've been having to make for the last several years. You know, applying good asset management principles you you want to to try to catch roadways when they're still in decent condition and do a fix on it so that you can put off those long-term fixes. You know, let's let's keep it going. Let's let's keep it going with duct tape and whatnot uh, to keep it as serviceable as we can. But you can only do that for so long, and at some point, you know, the bill comes due when we need to do a reconstruction fix. And when you're doing that, when you're pulling the pavement out. You know, obviously, that's the time when you're going to take care of all of the other ancillary stuff with your utilities and storm sewers and culverts. Um, so when we get in a position where we just can't rehab these anymore, um, we're we're having to we're having to do some bigger fixes, which are very costly. Now, rebuilding Michigan, the the bond program was was targeted right for that type of work because we knew it needed to be done, pushing it off any further only delays and, and further compounds the cost that it would take to correct.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's that's my concern about this going forward, that there's so much work that just needs to be done. Um, and as much as is being done and the governor's rebuilding Michigan plan is, you know, making a huge dent in, in some major freeways in the biggest metro areas where the most traffic is, certainly Metro Detroit with I-275 and the I-96, Flex route project in Western Oakland County. That's just starting M um, 59 second phase of that work in Macomb County, a very busy road. Uh, I-196 in Ottawa County, just uh, west of Grand Rapids. That's a big one. 496 in Lansing. That one certainly you're, you're paying close attention to. It affects your life. Mm-hmm. Um, I-69 basically, you know, from Calhoun County all the way to Port Huron is being fixed in various components along the way. So we got all these projects going and people are saying, are we doing enough to fix the roads? And it's like, my God, I think in in your many years at MDOT, you haven't seen this kind of uh, capacity for the program, right?
1: No, no, we haven't. Um, yeah. And I drive through almost every one of those jobs that you mentioned. It seems like, um, yeah, we get frustrated with work zones, but we have a lot of catch up work to do and let's be real. The condition state that we're in right now took many years for us to get here. It's not going to be, you know, one bond program and we're back. We need long-term sustainable funding in order to get us out of this. And again, it's not going to take three years, four years. It it took us 15 or 20 years to get here. It's going to take us 10, 15 years if we had the long-term sustainable funding to get out of it.
0: Yeah. I think that's that's well said, and that's something that everybody has to keep in mind. And
1: You know, I mean,
0: we're all human. We're all impatient. You know, we mm-hmm. want our roads fixed, but we don't want to be inconvenienced when they are. Um, and you've been on both sides of that, too. Obviously, you drive. You drive a lot of miles. So, you know, and I, I like to remind people of that, that the people who build the roads, whether they're the MDOT people overseeing the projects or the people that are actually out there doing the building,
1: they all drive these roads, too. Yep. We're 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 in the same boat i i drive by the gas station and it's kind of sad that i get excited when i see it's 378 right now (laughs) um but but again yeah it's the same for me as it is for anybody else and then uh as i travel around the state which is starting to happen more thankfully now now i get to uh sit through some work zones um as well so again Yeah, not to be impatient by any stretch. Um, I I hope people are thankful that the work is getting done, but it's certainly understood that it's going to have an effect on mobility and commutes. But, you know, we're looking at the long-term benefit.
0: Well, and since you mentioned that being in work zones, uh, we're wrapping up uh, National Work Zone Awareness Week and uh, had a nice event in Commerce Township at CA Hall on Monday uh, with the governor and the director and uh, folks from MSP and other departments and some good reminders and some good ideas going on with all this work um, You know, strained to the capacity already. There's going to be a lot of work zones and we can't do enough to try to protect those workers and make people aware of it. So thanks Brad for uh, taking time to do this. I appreciate it. Absolutely, Jeff, appreciate doing it. Yeah, and I should mention that this is the 100th podcast since we started this a couple of years ago. Randy Dubler, who does the sound editing and production, asked me to uh, to shout out that fact. So I want to thank him, certainly Randy, uh, Corey Petey, who also helps with the production on occasion. Uh, Courtney Bates, Jesse Ball, Sarah Canoaks Connect all play a role in putting the photos together and uh, posting it online with the show notes. So all of them have helped make this uh, what it has been for 100 episodes, and we'll look forward to doing the 101st next week. Thank you again for listening to this week's edition of the Talking Michigan Transportation podcast. I would like to thank Randy Dubler and Corey Petey for engineering this week's podcast. To subscribe to show notes and more, go to Apple Podcasts and search for Talking Michigan Transportation.